This is PhotoBizX, episode number 523, and today we are focusing on how to run a profitable, high-volume, lower-cost photography business. And our special guest does exactly that for her predominantly Maori clients. I'm talking about TOI Ratahi, and I am really looking forward to sharing this one with you. It's coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast-track your success. Welcome to the PhotoBiz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Host of the PhotoBizX podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And that is exactly what T, what TOI is going to help you with today, particularly if you've thought about the idea of building a profitable and high volume photography business. And even if that is not the case, T shares some pretty cool marketing strategies on how she gets clients in the door using Facebook events. So stick around for that. It is coming up in just a minute. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Paige McLeod, she is a newborn and family photographer based in the US. Her interview last week was an absolute hit. The comments inside the members Facebook group have been going off. Lots and lots of follow-up questions for Paige, which she very kindly has been spending time answering which is very cool to see. So get back and have a listen to that interview with Paige because she shares some very cool ways on how she's combining things like the book project, Facebook lead ads, competitions to form her own marketing style, bring in fantastic clients. Oh, and you have to see her videos because those videos, to me, are what separates her from so many other photographers because I'm sure her clients feel as though they really know her once they see them, even before they come in for their photo sessions. So that's Paige McLeod from last week's episode. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Okay, we are going to get into this interview with T in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with T. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news is you can access the full interview with T, access the full back catalog, get an invite to the members Facebook group and see everything that you're missing out on every single week or hear everything that you're missing out on every single week. With that $1 30-day trial membership, there are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I'm so looking forward to recording this interview with today's special guest for a few reasons. Number one, she's been listening to the podcast and been a member since 2013. And nothing makes me happier than recording a success story with a premium member. Two, She has a business model that I haven't really explored and I'm sure the things that she's learned along the way will be helpful for your photography business. She specializes in high volume, lower cost family photography. And number three, this all started as a side hustle to her full-time job as a train driver and today her turnover exceeds $220,000 and it pays her and her husband a wage. I'm talking about TOI Ratahi of 
Poi Hakina Portraits, and I am truly wrapped to have what feels like an old friend with us today, even though we've never actually met or even spoken until just now. T, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andrew. <laughs> so first up, tell me how to say your full name and the business name correctly. So my name is um, Te Wairatahi, but most people just call me T, and our business is called Poi Hakina Portraits. And Poi Hakina is the Māori name for Sydney. So the Port, Port Jackson. Oh, right. Wow. Okay. So you're living and based in New Zealand, but is that where the business is? Uh, yes. Right. The business is in New Zealand? So the business started in Sydney. So that's where we got our name. We ran it there for the first like four years or ran it out of there because we lived there. And then in 2018, we moved back to New Zealand to a little town called Patia. Okay, so you were a train driver in Sydney. That's when I first met you or saw you became a premium member and started listening to the podcast. So did you slowly build the business to what it is today back then or was it totally different? Um, It was a slow build. So as a train driver, I was like shift working and I would set up like portrait days for my holidays. We would travel. So instead of like going away and having a holiday, we would go travel New Zealand and do Māori portraits around the country or go to Perth and do them over there. Okay, and I'm hearing the word Māori. That's the way I would say it, but you're saying yeah. is it Māori. So um, I guess the closest English word would be mouldy, like mouldy bread. <laughs> right. Yeah, like if you say it really quick and sort of skip the L, that's probably the closest to a correct pronunciation for the word Māori, yeah. Okay, all right. And so the Maori or the Māori people are the natives to New Zealand? Yes, native New Zealanders. So there's a really big population of them in Australia. And when we started our business, it was pretty much catering to Māori people that were wanting that connection with home. Um, it was a side gig to, to fundraise for our daughter's kōhanga, like an early childcare centre. So we did portrait days where we would donate the sitting fees back to the centre and then we would just charge minimal for our photos. But they were very popular. We were doing like 25 families in a day and we would dress them all, um, paint their faces, take their photographs, show them their pictures. Um, They would order like from a tablet of their unedited photos, pay, and we would send their photos out later. So this would all happen on the same day? That would all happen on the – oh, well, we wouldn't send them on the same day, but we would take their orders and stuff all on the one day. Right, okay, all right. So you said that you dressed them as well. So you're talking about – can I say Mary or does that – Yeah, yeah, you can say Mary. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> it's what comes natural to most people. Yeah. Okay, great. So the listener would be more familiar with Maori, wouldn't they, than Mori? It depends. If they're from New Zealand, they'll know what a Maori is. But, yeah, everywhere else around the world that I've been, they're like, you're a Maori, aren't you? And I'm like, yes, yes. I guess having a mokokowai on my face means that I'm instantly recognisable as one wherever I go. So Okay, so that's exactly what I was going to ask you about. You said that you would dress your clients, your families, and also did you say put ma- did you say makeup? So we do things, um, it's like painted stamp. So it's almost like a block print on their face of the stylized tattoos that we as Māori have on our face. Not everybody has them, but those who choose to, it's usually a representation of like your family whakapapa or genealogy. And it just gives people an insight into a little bit of like where you're from and who's your family sort of thing. 
Okay, so those designs, they're specific to the family, just like the tartan would be to a Scottish family. Yes, similar, similar, because they're all different. So certain arrangements might mean a particular thing, but they come in so many different styles that back in the day, you could look at it and say, okay, that person's the oldest daughter and they're from this region of New Zealand because of the particular markings in there sort of thing. Okay, so I can see you and I've obviously seen photos of you and I'm sure other premium members have if they're in the members Facebook group. But uh, so you you have a facial tattoo, don't you? What did you call it? It's called a moko kawai. So moko is the type of, I guess, tattoo. And kawai is the part of my face that I have it on. So this is, in my language, is the kawai. This is your chin. Okay, so for the listener, yeah. So it's basically the, the width of your, your lips and it goes down right to the bottom of your chin. Yes. Right. And that's a permanent tattoo for you? Yeah, it's a permanent tattoo. So I've had mine for seven years. When I first got it, I was still a train driver on the railway. So it was really interesting. I didn't have any problems at work when I came in with it. But the amount of people in public when I was walking around on the railways who would stop me and want to have a talk about it. But, you know, being a train driver, I'm like, oh, sorry, I've got to go drive that train over there. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the thing. So when you first became a member and I first became aware of you, you didn't have that that tattoo. No. So when I first saw it, I thought, oh, is that just painted on, you know, for your marketing and for what you're doing? But this is actually, that's a permanent tattoo now. Yes. Yes. So on the 10th anniversary of my grandmother's passing, I went with my grandfather and we visited a family member who applied it and yeah, it was unveiled to the family at that point. So (laughs) Amazing. So when I look at your website and the listener goes to check it out and they see families, you know, with other designs on their faces, including the kids, they're not actually tattoos. They're painted, yeah. They're not tattoos. Right. And is that something that you do or your husband Gareth does? So we both do it. When we first started, I did the photography side and we would take turns dressing and sort of slide in and out of whatever thing. But now we both do it. We can do it individually. So we just go out one out and do everything. Dress, apply the face paint because it's fa- we use face paint on a, a rubber block stamp and put it on the face to apply the design. And then we'll photograph them and show them the photos after. I think so. Okay. <laughs> so tell me, so I know you're based in New Zealand now, but before we started recording, you said you have setups, you know, in different parts of Australia and New Zealand. So is everything in New Zealand now, or are you still like between the two countries? We have family that live in Sydney. So we have a set of costumes that we leave there and like light stands and backdrops so that we don't have to bring as much luggage across. But we are sort of between two countries. Gareth's on his way to Melbourne at the moment because he has portrait days in Melbourne this weekend. Wow. Okay. So you're basically running a business across two countries. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. So we market ourselves in different cities. So Gareth's going to be doing portraits in Melbourne this weekend, and I'm going to be doing them in New Zealand in a place called Topol. Right. So it sounds to me though, with the amount of work that you're doing at these sessions, you would need assistance. Is that correct? We don't. We do them by ourselves. (laughs) Unbelievable. All right. So just tell me about the business today, and then we'll dive into the marketing and the business side of things. But so what happens today? What is your business model? Is it still, you know, multiple families in a day, lower cost, that kind of thing? Yes. Our business model is pretty much the same as when we started. We will set up at a venue and then make available sitting times. People book in via Acuity and they get all the information to prep 
um, sometimes the first time we speak to them is when they turn up for their portrait. Then we we dress them, provide them with the costumes, we apply their face paint, we'll photograph them while they get dressed. We will put their photos on a tablet, we give them an order form, they write out the ones, the file numbers for the photos they want, and then pick their package, pay, and they're on their way. And we will photograph, now we photograph 12 families because we're doing it by ourselves. But before, we would photograph 25 families in a day and one of us would dress and do the sales and the other person would photograph and we would take turns. When I was pregnant with my son, I stepped back from the photography for a little bit because it was just too hard to do all the bending and twisting and things like that. Amazing. Okay, so just let me break that down a little bit more so I've got a clear understanding. So the family turns up. Do they all get into you know whatever costume or whatever outfit fits them, or do they pick and choose? So they get what fits them. They can pick what coloured feathers they have on their because we provide feathered cloaks or kakahu huruhuru is the the name that we use. Some families actually bring their own like cloaks or kuruai, and we'll incorporate their style around it. We have a lot of costumes, so. There's options, and we do sometimes do the larger groups like t- of multi-generation families with like 20 people. Wow, okay. So once they've chosen what they're going to be wearing, do they choose the design too for the facial paint? They do choose how much or how little they have. So for the women, it's usually just the chin and the lips that get done. But for the men, they have the option of going for like from the nose down or they can go the full face, so it's the forehead and the nose and the cheeks. And with the children, we normally just do from like the nose down. Some opt for like half a face because they want to like highlight that they're, I guess, you know, bicultural. Okay, right. So you mean if they're Australian born but part Maori? Is that what you mean? Well, some actually are like we've photographed families that are like Maori Lebanese or, you know, Maori and Pacific Islands. So they might get half a Maori sort of tamuho on their face, but they'll also wear things that they've brought to represent like their Tongan side or their Samoan side. Because the portraits are about like celebrating your heritage and connecting with your culture. So we encourage families to bring things that um, represent that for them and we incorporate it into how we style them. Got it. Okay. So let's say you're photographing a, I don't know, what would be a normal, when I say normal, in inverted commas or air quotes, <laughs> family. You know, is that five or six people? Yes. Yes. So, you know, say a nuclear family, two adults, three children. The girls would receive a dress called a putty, and then we would put a cloak over their shoulders. They would get either a headband or I would style their hair and put a feather in their hair. They would be given jewelry, like bone pen or podamu pendants, I mean, green stone. And then I would put the face makeup on and they would be ready to go. Um, I've done it that many times now. I can have someone ready in like 10 minutes. So I've seen mums, they've gone to put their dress on and come out and they've seen I've gotten their two kids ready and they're just like, oh my gosh, the transformation. <laughs> okay, so that's what I was going to ask you. So if you're doing dressing and face makeup, it probably takes you at least an hour for you know a family of five to get ready. No, not really. So we get them to come in 20 minutes before their session and it takes maybe that long to get them dressed and ready. And then their session is like 
20 minutes for the photography side, if that, and then they go and get changed and they sit there and while they're looking at their photos, I'll be dressing the next family. Got it. Okay. And this is all shot against like a, a backdrop with studio lighting. So it's, yes. it's not weather dependent. It's all indoors. It's definitely not weather dependent. So we have done outdoor portraits in the past, but because we travel and we're only in locations for like one or two days, we only promote it as being studio based. So families know what they're going to get every time. And most of them, because we have quite a, um, we have like three emails that go out before they're sitting, come in prepared. Like we can tell if they've read their emails or if they haven't. <laughs> so Gareth is over here doing this in Australia now. So he's doing exactly what you would do. He's dressing them. He's doing the face makeup. He's doing all that. He's doing all that. Yeah. Unreal. That's so cool. So the family then, how are they viewing the photos after you've taken them? Is that on a laptop, a desktop, a screen? So we shoot Nikon and we use the Nikon WMU app on a Samsung tablet and we just stream them straight across to the tablet and just download them and families are looking at them unedited straight out of the camera. Right, and they're looking at them in the Nikon app. In the Nikon app, yep. So how do they, do they tag the ones that they want to keep? So they just write down the file number. Okay, so it's really simple. And then are you showing them packages? Have they already seen packages? Do they know what they want to buy beforehand? Most families come in and say, I want this package, and then I'll shoot to it. When we have the multi-generation families, and we have shot up to six generations in one family at one point, they'll say, look, we want as many as we can with our nans and things like that, and we'll just go and photograph all the arrangements. So it'll be like the grandmother and each of the grandkids, so then they've got that one portrait with their grandparent, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But if it's a family shot, well, then it's like kids individually, kids together, a family, a couple. We have this thing that Māori do called a pūkana. If you've ever seen anything promoting like haka, they've got the tongue out and they're rolling the eyes and things like that. So that's a really popular photo for us as well. And it's very like we've got a formula. We do a lot of combinations, the same stuff. People even come in with screenshots from other families who say, <laughs> I want all these photos. And it's just so easy. Like there's no, you don't have to come up with something creative every time because people know what they want and they're coming in for those particular things. Got it. Okay. Without without downplaying what you're doing, this is like a, it's a cookie cutter setup, get them in, get them out. I know you're being creative, but it's not as creative as you would be if you were shooting outdoors. This is more shooting to a formula. Is that right? It's definitely shooting to a formula. We don't have to – the creativity for us comes in how we style the families, what we dress them in. But I think even for regular family photos, you know, you use the same – I guess maybe because we've been doing it for eight years now and – there's only so many combinations you can do on a studio backdrop with a family. <laughs> sure, sure. And I guess too, with the way you're dressing and the families are presenting themselves for you guys, it's more about showing the face. They want to see themselves. It's not getting super creative with the lighting. It's more about 100%. face the camera and look at us. 100%. Families want to create portraits that they can hang on their walls and they tell us, the portrait tells all the story. It says, this is us, we're Māori, um, we're beautiful, you know. Love it. I love it. So cool. So let's say you're photographing a nuclear family, the five that you described. I'm looking at your website here. So is that like the $100 package? Yes. So they pay $100 for their sitting fee 
And then that covers their styling and a $50 credit towards their portrait package, whatever they want. They get a low-res watermarked portrait included in that sitting fee. And it's just something that most we send out pretty soon after the sitting. So then they've got something to share on their Facebook and pretty much 100% of our marketing is on Facebook. <laughs> okay, we're going to get to that. And then, uh, so then once they've paid that sitting fee, they come in for the session, they get their watermark digital, and then they buy additional things. And that's where you've got your digital only up to the prints and digitals. So is that where I can see from 425 up to 1100? Yes, yes. Okay, so what's the most popular there? Um, I would say it would be our Rima package, which is the five prints and five digitals. And what does that cost? It's five forty nine. So they pay four ninety nine for it, but it's five portraits pretty much, and they get a print and a matching file. Okay, got it. Okay, and then even the family of five, they're still having the multiple poses. Yes, yes. So it's like a family of five and that five portraits. We'll start off with a photo of just them in costume. Then we'll give them things like Māori weapons to hold in their portrait. And then we'll get them to do a pūkana. So there's like three family photos just like that. And they can be done in like five minutes, like just those three photos. And then we get the kids and we'll get them like, because they're getting ready, you know, it'll be one child after the other and then all three together. And straight up there's seven photos. Then it'll be the couple and they'll get a photo by themselves, but they'll get a formal portrait, very like those old school portraits they used to do back in the day when everyone had to sit there very still and just stare at the camera. We'll do one like that, but then we'll also do one where they hungi, press noses, and, you know, so straight up, like we've got nine poses there and we can do them in like 15 minutes. Okay, so real, at the end of the day, I mean, you're still running a business and you're going to give them options where they want to buy more. Yes, yes. Um, Gareth found that since he's been a, he did Brisbane last weekend, he sold quite a few 10 packages because we say that they can add grandparents to their portrait sittings for free. So that adds the third generation and it gives us a bunch more options to photograph. But also we want people to bring their grandparents in because like in our families, that generation just do not have great photos. They don't have any <laughs> Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. You know, so even if you're doing 12 families a day and they're spending around $500, that's still a $6,000 day. Yeah, yep. Fantastic. That's so good. So how many days of shooting are you looking to do per month or per year? Um, we kind of vary. Like I think ideally we would shoot six a month, but some portrait days we don't do the whole 12. We might only do six or seven, which when you're on your own and have to drive is much more relaxed. But in the last 12 months, we did, I think, across Australia and New Zealand, between the two of us, we did 630 sittings. (laughs) That's crazy. That's so good. Unreal. So did you envision, you know, the business being where it is now when you started it? Not really, because I actually, I liked doing it for just the whole celebrating our culture. And I enjoyed being a train driver. Like I liked working (laughs) on the railways. I worked on the railways for like 18 years and it was like a family. But I guess, you know, we had another child and the lifestyle just didn't work anymore. And we decided that we would go full time into the business. 
And yeah, it's just taken off for us. It's meant that we've been able to relocate back to New Zealand and we pretty much only shoot on the weekends. During the week, we just, you know, do the behind the scenes stuff and promote our portrait days. So good. So good. So I imagine Gareth had a job that he had to leave and I sort of alluded to that in the intro. So is that right? So he's working full time in the business now too? Yes. Yes. So we were both on the railways. We met as transit officers on the railways. And then when I actually started listening to the podcast, they were being made redundant. And I was considering going full-time in photography then, and I had joined the AIPP mentoring program. And that's how I found your podcast, because one of the other mentorees heard your interview with Annie Payne, and she was the person who was running the mentoring program. So good. Annie's amazing. And she she runs when she sees me these days because I usually bring out the microphone and ask her to for, for, <laughs> for a comment and she hates it. But she's incredible. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So with the business now, like, is it running on autopilot or are you like any other photographer and continually having to market and, um, you know, and build and push to keep things going? 100%. We do continually market. We have a really big email list, which we don't use. Like we, are, I am terrible at the whole email marketing thing. Um, like people say, yes, we want to know where you're coming. And then I forget to send out the email saying this is where we're coming. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, like the main way we promote is we create Facebook events and then we boost them to the towns that we're traveling to. Okay, so tell me how that works. So you create an event on your Facebook page. So let's say you come into Auckland. Yep. So, I mean, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to Auckland. I will set up an Acuity page for that particular venue, and then I will create a Facebook event, and I will link the booking page from Acuity into the Facebook event, and I'll share it on my Poihakana Portraits Facebook page. And then I'll share it into the Auckland groups and that'll fill my portrait day. Okay. So let me take you back a bit. So you know, you want to go to Auckland or you've got it booked in the calendar. You've got to go to Auckland. Yep. What kind of venue do you find and how do you find it? So Auckland City Council have a online booking portal for all their halls. Um, We have a few halls that we regularly use. And then we also partner with, um, so in New Zealand, they have, early learning centres called Kōhanga Reo. So in those places, they speak to Reo Māori. Um, the families are like, that's our target demographic. We will go to one of those places and set up our portrait days there, and then they will promote us to the families that attend their centre, and there's a lot of sort of word of mouth through that. Okay. And do you give them a, a kickback or a commission? Well, it depends on how – sometimes I just hire – pay rent on their venue. Like I might give them a $200 day venue hire fee sort of thing. Or um, we also do portrait fundraising days. So that's how we started. And the families, um, $50 from each session fee goes back to the kohanga. So we'll set them up an acuity page that they have access to, and then they just share it to the families that they know want to book in, and they'll book into their venue. Got it. Okay. So if you're going to Auckland, are you looking to go and shoot there for one day or are you doing 10 days like in a row? No. So I'm going up there after Mother's Day weekend and we're there for two days. 
um, one day Gareth and I are doing together, but the other two, the other day, Saturday, we're in separate venues. Okay. So how often would you go back to Auckland? Um, Maybe three times a year. Oh, okay. All right. So pretty regularly. Yeah, but it's like Auckland is like Sydney. So, you know, we don't do the same places within Auckland. We go to different suburbs. So it's kind of like if we were in Sydney, we would do Blacktown and Campbelltown. Right, okay. So what about as far as the smallest towns that you would think about going to for a portrait day? How big would that be? Well, there's a little community called Moirua that we visit, and I'm not quite sure what the population is. Just give me a sec. Moirua population. They have... 1,900 people. Okay, so small. But So how do you know that's going to be successful if you go there? Well, I guess because I've got family that are up there, I'm going to go there because I want to go and see family. <laughs> and then I will be like, the venue is only like $50 for the whole day. And if we get two sittings, that covers like our fuel to go up there and the venue hire. And then the extra costs, well, we always – get at least like five or six sittings it's very rare that we go to a place and and get less than that unless we work it out like that because sometimes we won't promote a venue we just we use it as like a way to justify our expense for traveling there if that makes sense it does i like it i like it so if, <laughs> if, if you're going to go somewhere like that a small town like that can you fit everything in the car or do you need to take a trailer yes no we've got it we um we have a little a honda fit so we can fit everything in the back of a fit. Oh, wow. So it's a small car. So we have a small car. But we do have a Isuzu D-Max that we use everything in the back of the ute when we're traveling as a family. So that it's like a twin cab ute with a, a canopy on the back that fits all our gear in the back. But So you don't need to take that big car. You can fit everything in the smaller car. We could fit everything in the small car. Well, okay, that's really cool. All right, so you create a Facebook event and you also share that then on your page. You give it to the, the partner business, the childcare centre, if, if you're going to be working with them. Yeah. So where's everyone being sent to, to that event page, are they? Yes. So most people will come into the events page. And if you put a link in the get tickets section, when they click get tickets, it'll take them to the Acuity booking page and they can just book straight in. Okay. So when do they first see prices and, uh, you know, if this is something they're going to want to have? Um, we have it in the events. Okay, so everything's right up front in their face. 100%. So they go in and then like in the description of the event, we have, you know, a $100 sitting fee, what it covers, and the fact that it covers only one emailed portrait. And then when you go into the discussion in the event, we'll have our pricing, but it also has our Facebook page as the host and usually my husband and I are both the hosts, so people will sometimes PM us or sometimes they'll message the page. But our website has the, like, on the, it's, it's pretty much a one-page site with all our pricing and everything up front, so there's no having to hunt for it if people want it. Okay, so I'm here now on your events page and I've got the Saturday 20th of May 2023. So this is the one in Auckland or one of the ones in Auckland. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so right here, like you said, I can see $100 sitting fee includes, and you've got a whole lot of Maori words there. About oh, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes, and it's, it's all there. It's all very, very clear right from the start. Yeah. 
and we just we're pretty blunt too like when we send our emails preparing like because we're dressing people we'll say please come make sure you'll have a shower and apply deodorant <laughs> we have to be in a room with you once you take your clothes off sort of thing you know like nobody wants the lingering bo or things like that and i have stuff like that written in the prep emails people always like comment on it but i'm like the Sometimes we have to spell it out, and they're like, oh, 100%. But, yeah. <laughs> so good, so good. Okay, so I'm still on your page, and I can see you can actually jump over to a discussion tab, and then there's people asking questions there. It was like Karita is there. She's saying, hey there, I'm trying to book the 2.30 time slot, but I want to pay by internet banking. It won't let me click that option. So that's where you go in and answer those questions. 100%, yeah. And you've got your price list in there as well with print. There's no surprises even with the upselling, is there, by the look of it? Nothing. Like we try to be as transparent and have it as simple as possible. I mean, nobody wants to get there. Like we even in the prep email, I say, look, if you can only afford the one that's included, let us know straight up because we'll take the additional photos if you want them. But we understand if you can't buy them and you don't want us to do it, just let us know. We won't, you know, shoot a bunch of photos that you can't buy. Okay. So really that's a lot different from a lot of other uh, portrait photographers. So if they tell you up front, they can't afford it, you're not going to be shooting multiple images and then hoping they fall in love with it and then try and pay for them. No, if they say to us, oh, look, we just want a family photo, then that's, well, I'll give them three. Like I'll still do the, a serious one, a pukana and one holding like weapons, but then I won't do all the kids and the different arrangements because, you know, um, when I first fell in love with photography, I was like an 18-year-old single mum who used to like spend so much on photos that I would pay off and then my child would look so different by the time I got my photos. <laughs> I would rather fa- a family got their one portrait this year, came back next year and got another one um, because families do come year after year and get some of them just get the included one because that's how they record the growth of their, their family. That's so nice. So even with how transparent you are, do you ever still have people that say, oh, I didn't know it was going to be this much more or I didn't know I had to pay more to get more? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. I'm going to ask you one more thing about your email, and I know you said you don't use it much, but I mean, do you at least email the families that you've photographed in the past to let them know you're coming back to a location? Not strategically, no. <laughs> you're so bad, T. <laughs> I know, we should. I can't believe you don't do that. I can't believe you don't. Why don't you do that? I guess because we don't really have to, you know. Like Maybe if we were like, oh, shit, we're going to be here somewhere and we've only got so many bookings, we would go back and look for all the people that have an address in that area and just message them and say, hey, we're coming back next week. Maybe it's time to update your photo. Have you had any more kids? Things like that. (laughs) But we don't, you know, do it on a regular basis like we really should. Yeah. But I guess, like you said, it's a sign that things are going good the way they are. And what a nice position to be in. That is awesome. T, massive congrats on your success. I'm so glad we had the chance to uh, have you on the show. I can't believe you've been listening and a member since 2013. Again, massive congrats on your success and thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. Thanks, Andrew, for having me. It's been cool. 
I hope you enjoyed that interview with T as much as I did. I have been waiting a long time to record that one. T, if you are listening, again, massive thanks for coming on. Congratulations on your success. Thank you for putting up with me and my stumbling over the Maori language and terms. You were fantastic and, uh, and the business that you built with your husband, truly inspirational. So, again, massive thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. For you, the listener, I do hope you got a ton from what T had to share. If you do have a follow-up question, you can hit her up in the comments area of the show notes. This week, they're at photobizx.com forward slash 523. The comments section is at the very bottom of the page, and above that, you'll find links to anything and everything that T mentioned. You'll also find examples of her fantastic work and the wardrobe that we were referencing, the makeup, the whole lot. It's all there in that one spot in the show notes. And of course, if you are a premium member, you can hit up T or Gareth inside the members Facebook group. I know they'll be happy to come back and answer any follow-up questions you might have. Or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did, I know that she would love and he would love to hear those or read those comments. Alrighty, that is just about going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I am still coming to you from France. I've since moved on to the Pyrenees where I got to see a stage of the Tour de France up close and personal. In fact, we were on TV, which was pretty cool. And one of the most fantastic things about seeing the tour in real life is mingling with people from so many different countries. Across the road from where we were, where we were standing, we had a bunch of Basque guys who were just mental. Uh, there was uh, obviously French people across the road from us as well. There were French people next to us. There were Dutch people up and around the corner. And everyone was just mingling and chatting and happy and, and beautifully getting on. Uh, there was alcohol getting consumed, lots of food getting, getting eaten, and uh, there was just no dramas. It was so, so lovely. In fact, there were a couple of older women, French women from Bordeaux, uh, next to us in their, their glitter-covered sneakers, puffing away on their e-cigarettes, very well-dressed, and absolutely having a fantastic time. I had a bit of a chat to them and asked, you know, you know, what is it about the Tour de France that has you traveling as far as Bordeaux to the side of a mountain where you had to walk up four or five kilometers just to watch this race? Is it because the race is important to France? Is it just to have a day out? Do you know one or two or more of the riders? Do you just love cycling? I was curious to know. And it turns out they are massive cycling fans. Cycling has been through their family and so much so, and without a word of a lie, both these women had tears in their eyes when they saw the French national champion race past at arm's length, and I mean literally at arm's length, they were just delighted and happy and joyous and, like I said, with tears in their eyes. They knew the names of all the French riders. They were, they were cheering everyone on, but they were especially cheering on the French riders. It was a clear sign just how important the race was, how important cycling was to these two women, which to me, I'm sure, extends to the French population and certainly the, the French cycling fans in the population. It was, uh, it was a really, really cool day out. And uh, like I said, the, the biggest thing to me was the, the fact that there was so many different nationalities there, all celebrating together, all enjoying the, the outdoors, the event. They were drinking and there were no dramas. It was just 
yeah, it was just a really beautiful day out and really beautiful to see and experience and wow it's just crazy that you can be that close to the sport and to the to the sporting stars on the as they race past very very cool Alrighty, that is it really from me. I'm I'm actually coming to you from Provence now. I've since moved on from the Pyrenees. If you're familiar with the Tour de France at all, Provence is home of the mighty Mont Ventoux, which is, again, another massive mountain made famous by the Tour de France. Uh, it really stands alone here on the landscape. It's, it's massive. And, uh, yeah, we, we plan to tackle that one tomorrow, so looking forward to that. So I've got a couple more days here, then I'm heading over to the, the French Alps to ride some of the mountains over there with my buddies from Australia. Alrighty, again, I keep saying it, that really is it for me. I hope wherever you are in the world, you are safe, healthy and well. Hope you're enjoying life. Hope business is good. And I'll be back next week with another episode, another interview. Again, oh yeah, massive thanks to T for coming on and sharing everything she did. All right, stay safe, healthy and well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, to photobizx.com Join the conversation Leave a comment And share your thoughts On the interview with Andrew And today's special guest 